Welcome to The Laptop Lifestyle. I'm your host, Alexis Teichmiller, digital content creator for brands and companies and online entrepreneur. Whether you're running a business full-time, starting a side hustle, or just beginning to think about starting a business, you are in the right place. The Laptop Lifestyle is for you, the unconventional thinker, the person who isn't afraid to step outside of their comfort zone and pursue creativity over complacency. Each week, we will unlock how to build passionate online communities and thriving online businesses. All right, Laptop Lifestylers, let's jump in. What up, what up, Laptop Lifestylers? Y'all, I missed you guys. It has been way too long since I've recorded an episode. I have just been kind of running around with work and speaking at several different conferences all over the U.S. I am back. It feels very good to be back because I really missed my community. I missed you guys. I missed putting out episodes. So I promise y'all I'm not going anywhere. I'm just living a laptop lifestyle. And sometimes when you do that, you have to let some things uh take a back burner for just a season of life. So I'm back. I'm really excited about today's episode because I think it's a great episode to kick back off the laptop lifestyle. It features my really good friend, Courtney Slazenick. And for any of you guys who aren't really sure who that is, let me tell you. Courtney is a mom, a blogger, and she's the founder of an online course educational platform called Click It Up a Notch, where she's literally helped over 40,000 people unlock the power of their DSLR cameras. And she helps them take better pictures of the day-to-day love and laughter in their lives. And what I love about Courtney is she solved a problem. She herself was a mom. She had a DSLR camera. That's kind of hard to say. She had a DSLR camera and she didn't really, she wasn't really sure how to use it, how to shoot on manual and things like that. And so as she taught, as she learned herself, she decided to teach what she was learning. And now she has been voted by Huffington Post as one of the top five blogs for momtographers for teaching moms how to take really good photos of their children. In this episode specifically, we talk about some really intense topics and I love that about Courtney and I. We just really dove in here. So a few of them I want to highlight is we talked about how to overcome negative comments on the internet and really just she shared a lot of tips for developing thicker skin when it comes to building an online business. We also talked about getting past the ego of the ask and how your community is your biggest asset. And so you need to lean on your audience for ideas on what to create and make sure that there's demand. And in order to do that, you have to ask your community what they want and for their opinion. One of my favorite quotes from Courtney, especially from this episode, as she was sharing a really um, just hurtful thing that happened to her in her business, uh, she said, if you don't like me, I'm not going to spend my time and energy trying to get you to like me. That just means that you're not my people and there are plenty of people who want to be a part of my community and you're not one of them and that's okay. And I love how peaceful and direct that is. And she's just, uh, Courtney is a total boss. I look up to her in so many ways. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this very raw episode of her and I diving into hearing how she's built her 
business, her blog for the last 10 years. Um, If you guys are listening to this episode right now, can you guys do me a favor before we jump in? Can you screenshot this and share it on Instagram and tag me in it? I love seeing y'all listening to the show. I love asking you guys what you guys are learning. And we just start conversations. That's the whole reason I have the show is to build community, talk with y'all and just connect. So, all right, enough of me. I am ready to jump in with my dear friend, Courtney Slazenick. Let's go, y'all. Hey, hey, Laptop Lifestylers. It is your host, Alexis Teichmiller here. And today on the podcast, I have a woman that I have admired from afar, and now we're friends. I've admired her for almost two years now. And I just cannot wait for you guys to hear her wisdom and her insight into what it's like to be a laptop lifestyler. Welcome to the show, Courtney Slazenick. Thanks so much. What a nice intro. I just adore you. (laughs) So thank you. Of course, of course. Well, um, I met you for the first time this past summer at Convert Kits conference called Craft and Commerce. And but I've I've been following you online for a long time. You run a very successful photography business, but let's just like take it way back. Like, how did you even get into the world of entrepreneurship? If I remember correctly, you were a teacher before you launched your photography business. Yeah, so I went to college and I'm, I'm an elementary school teacher. I taught third and fifth grade. And then I always knew that once I had kids, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom because that's what my mom did. And so I was just like, yep, mm-hmm. that makes sense. That's what I want to do. And so we had our first daughter and that was about well, it wasn't about, it was 10 years ago. <laughs> I know how old she is. <laughs> and I stopped working and I stayed home and I loved it. It was perfect. Then we had our second daughter and I still loved it. But that was when I felt like things started kind of, for me, I felt like something was missing. Not that being a stay-at-home mom is not fulfilling. I do not want to put that out there. I just know for me, like my love language is words of praise or affirmation or whatever. And like my daughter is not saying mom, you rock changing my diaper today. Thanks so much. Like that puree you made me amazing. And so it's, it started to wear on me. And I had like a breakdown once a year. I called it like my mom, just my mom breakdown, you know, of like, oh, I just, I don't know what I'm doing and all this stuff. And anyway, um, at the time we were living in Japan and Okinawa and I was following blogs and I got in my debt, my head that I, you know, I love photography. I was doing this fun project. I had people asking me how they could take better pictures. And I started thinking like, oh man, if I could combine my love of teaching and my like obsession with photography, that would be really cool. And I knew I was kind of looking for something else anyway. And so I had followed different bloggers. And at the time I started like, it, okay, this is like eight years ago. I don't know if you guys remember blogs eight years ago, but you used to be able to like buy little ad space on people's sidebars. And yes, I remember yeah. seeing a blogger like posting, you know, you can buy, you know, a 125 by 125 square for a month for like 50 bucks or something. And I counted up all the ads she had on her sidebar and I figured out she made like a thousand dollars a month on ads. And I remember thinking like, that's insane. Like, She gets to write about what she wants and then she can put these ads on it and she gets to make money. And so I said to my husband, I think I'm going to start a site to teach people photography. And I think in like several years, I could sell ad space on my sidebar and we could make like $500 to $1,000 a month. And he was just like, that's crazy. Go ahead. It sounds like fun. But you know, like that just seemed so not attainable at the time. 
And right. so that's kind of how it all started. I guess my big dream was to make like 500 to $1,000 a month um, running ads on my sidebar. And, you know, that was eight. Well, this will be my eighth year. And I don't even have ads, <laughs> but I have courses and, you know, all this stuff that I kind of feel like I, I stumbled into creating this business where I like set out really just to have a blog. And mm-hmm. I have since changed my viewpoint on my business. You know, I, I don't tell people anymore I'm a blog. You know, I just, I have a blog. Like I tell people I, I run a business, you know? And so it's taken time to kind of change my mindset of like, oh, I just do this little thing on the side. And I still catch myself saying, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I also have this little thing I do. And I mean, the amount of time I put into it, it's, it's really not a little thing. But right. Um, right. yeah, so it was kind of um, an accident on purpose, mom needing something else kind of a thing. Of course. So you quickly met that $1,000 a month. Well, not quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember reading. So I started my site in 2010. And I remember reading, I became obsessed with learning how to blog. And I remember reading that it takes three years to make money. And so I said to my husband, I'm going to work for free for three years. And then in three years, we're going to put ads up and I'm going to make like 500 to $1,000. And he was like, okay. And it was probably, I, you know, I started making a little bit here and there. I tried the ad thing and nobody was really buying very many. And so I knew I, that really wasn't going to be my my source of income. And so I, I wrote my first ebook in 2000, gosh, late 2012 or 13. And that, uh, it was late 2012 because it was right before I hit the three-year mark. And that was when we started seeing the money. So it was all in those testing products. And I think that's something that a lot of online entrepreneurs are scared to do is like testing and experimenting. Mm-hmm. Like I think especially now... I think something that you had to your advantage was that you were able to start something back before the internet bubble, you know? And so now for entrepreneurs who are just getting started out, there's sometimes this quote unquote, like path of one, two, three to success. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't exist, but I mean, there are so many quote unquote experts out there who will tell you something. And so what can you say to the people who are trying to follow this formulated path, but it may not be their path? Like it's so important to actually experiment and figure out what works best for your community versus what worked best for, you know, someone else. Yeah. So that's a hundred percent true, right? Like when I started blogging, there wasn't a lot of content out there. There weren't people selling courses there. It was just a lot of trying to research and figure it out. And so it was a lot of testing and figuring out. But what I found really interesting, so about two weeks ago, I got to spend a weekend in Phoenix with 15 amazing women who run super successful blogs and businesses. And I mean, genius women, right? And we all sat down and we each shared for an hour of one of our strengths. And it was incredible that there's 16 of us. We all have you know, what we consider successful online businesses, yet none of us do it the exact same way. You know, someone is saying, oh, you should be doing videos on Facebook. I'm able to sell those to brands and I do this, you know, and then I'm on there talking, oh, you should do webinars and sell things in your webinars and do this. And then someone else is like, actually, you should put your focus on SEO. And and it's just incredible to realize there is not a 
one, two, three plan, like you mentioned, like there were 16 of us. We all run our businesses completely different, but we all learn so much from each other. Cause I'm like, Oh, I should incorporate that or I should incorporate this. So I think it's really just finding what you love to do. You know, what do you like to do in your business and how do you want to grow? And, you know, I was sitting there telling people they should do webinars. And one of the girls there the whole time kept going, Nope, Nope, no, no, that is terrifying. I would never get on a webinar, you know, and I'm thinking, you're crazy, of course, but what works for me doesn't work for every single person, you know, so you kind of just have to figure out what are your strengths? Or do you love to write? I do not like to write. Explain to me why I'm a, I have a blog <laughs> and I, <laughs> I don't know. Like <laughs> Writing is like, oh, it's so painful. I hate writing. And so <laughs> when somebody got up to talk about publishing a book, like my face glazed over, right? Like, oh, the thought of a book, you know? And so it's just one of those things that there is no perfect answer to grow your business or your blog, but you're going to find the one that works for you. And whatever drives you and makes you excited, that's what's going to make you successful. I completely agree, especially whenever you go to like multiple conferences or masterminds or you hear different podcasts and people are telling you like, this is the path, like this is the one thing that you need to do right now to grow your business. And I just think that if you hear something and it doesn't actually resonate with you or the vision that you have for your business, don't do yeah. it. You know, like people fall into those things that they think they have to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So jumping back to before you were making money, like that, you know, you were a full-time mom, you were, had insane time management skills (laughs) and, but you put in, you know, a few years before you're able to, to have that ROI. Let's talk about that because in the laptop lifestyle space, when someone's about to start a business, there's this automatic idea that you're going to make a lot of money really quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it can be true for some people, but it can also be a really slow game for other people. Like what advice do you have for people that are just starting out who are really passionate about an idea, but they get really discouraged because they're not making money right away? Yeah. It's, I mean, in all honesty, it's hard to start making money online because you've got to build the authority. You've got to build a community. you you can't just put something out there and hope people find it. And so it does take a lot of time. I was very lucky that when I started my business, I it I didn't have to quit a job and then start this and I needed money right away. I didn't have that pressure. We had my husband's income. And so I was very fortunate. I also joke around with him that I think because of that, it probably took me longer than it takes some people because I didn't have as much of like that hustle desire. And so I think that something to keep in mind is you're going to do things when you're starting out and sometimes you're going to have to do them for free. And I know people say don't work for free. And so I know this is one of those touchy areas, but sometimes you need to do something for free, but that allows you to build a community. Okay. Let me be very clear. I'm not talking about like, oh, share this for us and we'll give you exposure or something like that's, I feel like is different. If someone's asking you to do something for their product I mean, that's a whole other, like, completely different topic. But, um, you know, if I'm talking about, like, helping out others who are in your niche, right? Like, mm-hmm. team up with them, do podcasts together, share blog posts. There's a lot of times people that I compete with to sell products to, we will share Facebook posts. You know, like, hey, mm-hmm. I wrote this blog post. Will you share it with your community? Give me one. I'll share it with my community. And so I think, like, tearing down that idea of I am – 
like I have to do this by myself. I can't talk about anybody else. But building those relationships with other creatives, it's going to help you build that community faster. And when you have the community, that's when you can start selling things and making money. At least for me, that was the big thing I noticed is once I built the community, now I had people that were eager to buy what I had, you know, what I had made versus making something and then having to go find the people because that's a little bit harder and it can be costly if you decide I'm going to make this and I'm going to sell it through Facebook ads. Well, now you're having to pay, you know, to get eyes on your product. So no, that's really, really great advice. And it kind of goes back to what you see working for someone won't work for you. But at the same time, like focusing on that community has been what's helped me. Like it's been what's helped the podcast and it's what built your army of of photographers. So you built a community. So how what, what are a few ways that you built that community? And then at what point did you decide, I, I'm going to build something for them? Because sometimes it's like, well, once I have the community, what do they want me to actually sell them? <laughs> like what products do they actually want from right. me? Because they usually start following you because you're giving away free things. You're giving away free value. So then at what point do you decide to charge for things? And then like, how do you know what product to even build? Yeah. So that's, <clears throat> I, I did everything wrong <laughs> when I started out. Right. So I started building my community on Facebook because that seemed like a good place to do it. And I still have an amazing community on Facebook. Don't get me wrong, but Facebook basically owns that community. And so they can at any given time just stop showing my stuff to that community. And so it took me about a year or two into blogging that I realized that I needed an email list, which I know you are passionate as well. And this is not just like a shameless plug, but honestly, it's something that I speak about a lot that I feel like, especially um, I teach photographers who want to own a photography business. Like this is not something that's popular within the photography world. I know it's becoming more popular within the blogging community and the entrepreneurs, but ultimately it was my email list. I started building it. I don't know, maybe five years ago. And it was funny because at the time I literally just put a box on my sidebar that was like, join my newsletter. I did everything you weren't supposed to do, right? I called it a newsletter. I told him to subscribe. There was no opt-in. It was just this afterthought and people joined. And then I got very strategic about it and had the freebie. And um, I, you know, and I'm constantly working on that. How can I make it better with nurture sequences and welcome series and free content, like you were saying, is my goal because I want people to join my community. And whether they decide to buy from me or not is not ultimately my goal. My goal is that I am providing, um, especially moms who want to understand their DSLR, a place to come and learn for free. And so when I wrote my ebook initially, people were asking me, you know, I, I want, you know, do you sell anything? And I realized like, okay, I have people, they want to buy something from me. And I had this idea. So I wrote the ebook and thank the good Lord, it's, it's worked out. <laughs> but mm-hmm. now I know when I want to create a product, what I do now is I send out an email to my list with like a Google form on it. And I basically use Ryan Levecki's Uh, ask method. If you haven't read his book, it's amazing. And basically you send out this email and he goes way deep into it. But just to start, I just say, what is your number one biggest struggle with photography right now? And I can normally get several hundred to a thousand people to respond. And then I can go through and start seeing like, okay, this is an overarching theme a lot of people are talking about. You know, just recently I sent one out and people were talking about they want help editing. You know, we need help editing in Lightroom or I want to make my photos pop when I edit. And so a couple of really great things about this is one, your your audience is actually telling you, this is what I need. This is my pain point. And I will 
they're not saying I will pay for this, but they're helping you know what you should create to help them. Because ultimately, we want our products to help people. And the other thing too that's amazing about this is they're giving you the verbiage you need to talk to them. So for me, Mm. it's pretty easy because I can remember what I I went through when I started photography. It was very hard for me. And so I still remember those struggles and that pain. But if maybe you aren't your, your client or you never went through the exact same pain points, this is great information for you so that you can use the same types of words that they use. Um, cause the mm-hmm. other thing too, is like over the years, my vocabulary has changed when I talk about editing and I forget sometimes, Oh yeah, I did just want to learn how to make my photo pop. Like that's what I would mm-hmm. say, you know, whereas now I would say, you know, how to elevate your image with editing software, you know, it's, it's, those are two different vocabulary languages. Right. And so, um, once you figure out what they want, The next thing I would do is, and I learned this from David Molnar, is basically sell a beta group seat. So I used to do this thing where I would get an idea on what I had, you know, I want to make this product and I'd ask people, is this something you guys are interested in? And people were like, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. You know, well, I didn't ask them to vote with their money. And so I've been fortunate that I haven't had like a massive bomb yet, (laughs) even though I'm just slowly (laughs) figuring out how to properly create products. And so what I just did a a couple months ago is I said, okay, I'm going to do this uh, course on editing. I I see there's a demand for it. So I'm going to outline what this course will include and I'm going to discount it and sell it to my audience. I'll open it up to 50 people. And basically this is a beta group. And if I can sell 50 seats at, you know, a discounted rate, then I think I can sell it once it's not, you know, bare bones. I mean, you're literally pitching them just an outline. And mm-hmm. so I was able to sell that out in just a couple hours. So I know the demand is there. Girl. Yeah. So it's amazing. That, I mean, that's the other thing too, is you need to know the demands there. Like you may have the best right. idea ever, but if your audience doesn't care and, and is willing to say with their money, I am interested in this, it's honestly not worth your time to create the product and then hope you can find somebody to buy it. And so... Right. How, how many people or how many seats did you open up in the beta? Well, I opened up 50, but I accidentally got 57 in before I closed the cart because I <laughs> I didn't have like a quantity thing. And so I was like trying to shut it down. And what was amazing too is I had people afterwards, you know, contacting me like, oh, I missed it. Can I get in? And I'm like, okay, that really tells me that this is something people want, you know? Absolutely. And so then I just, you know, I sent the people an outline who signed up and I said, here's my plan what is missing? You know, like, what do do you wish was in this that isn't? And they give you great feedback. Well, I wish you had a video on this. Okay, great. I can add that. What else? You know? And then each Mm -hmm. week I sent, so my course is a four week course. And so each week I send them all the videos and then you, you ask for their feedback. And so they write me back after the video and I say, you know, was everything clear? Was there anything confusing? And week one, I realized, I'm so glad I did this too, because week one, I thought I had done a good job explaining everything. And I got a lot of feedback from people like, I didn't understand why you did this. And I realized I didn't explain as many whys as people needed. And then I re-recorded all the videos, sent them back out. And, and then I knew creating, you know, week two, week three, week four, how in-depth I needed to go. And I had a lot yeah. less confusion. Now, if I had just sat at home and created this course without a beta group, I would have created four weeks worth of videos 
that didn't go as in depth as my community needed. And I would have had people disappointed mm-hmm. in the product. And so yeah. it's amazing what a beta group can tell you and help you. And, you know, things they were asking for, I hadn't even thought to include that. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll throw that in as a bonus. You know, what else? And so it's a huge benefit for them because they get direct access to you. They get to basically custom build this course that they want, you know, and you're just trying to add value and serve them the best you can. So it's, it's been a very challenging thing because as I was telling you earlier, I realized I exported like 40 videos in the wrong size. And so now I have to like re-edit 40 videos in like a week and a half before it launches. Um, so I'm not stressed or anything. Um, oh, no. But it's been a really cool experience to do this with people because it also for someone like me, like I said, I need that like affirmation. I need to know that what I'm doing is working. It's mm-hmm. really easy when you're creating a product, especially a course, to get burnt out and tired of it because you just work and work and work on it. But when you have something that people are giving you feedback all the time saying, hey, that's not what I was looking for or that's great. I understand it. It helps you to keep going and be excited about your product even before it launches. That is such great advice. I don't think anyone's ever talked about this on the show Yay. before. And I'm so glad that you're bringing it up because wh- whether you're building a product or you're launching a new service, getting your community involved and collaborating with them as much as possible possible is actually what's going to create the best outcome. And I think a lot of times let's dig into like the psychology a little bit of like why you wouldn't want to ask. Like I think people wouldn't want to ask because they are trying to position themselves as the quote unquote expert. Mm-hmm. And they, they want to make sure that people think that they know what they're talking about. But asking for help doesn't mean that you you know aren't knowledgeable in a specific subject, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something too that like, it is a little nerve wracking to say, hey, I, I kind of want to create something. Do you want to watch me create it and help me? And it's definitely putting yourself out there. And I'm not going to lie, the first week was was tough for me. Because that first week, I realized my videos weren't as as good as they needed to be. And that's hard to hear back from people after you put in all this time to have people be like, actually, and I mean, let me be clear, my people were they're so kind. They were not mean about it. They were just like, hey, I need some more explanation here. But when you think you've created this like really great thing, it kind of takes you down a notch, you know, of like, of course. oh, okay. You know, and so it is very humbling to have 50 people watch you do this. And then, you know, maybe your first round wasn't as good as you had hoped. But the thing I like to keep in mind is the people who sign up for a beta group, one, I feel like they genuinely want you to succeed. You know, they're not there to judge you and and tell their friends like, oh, you should have seen the first round of videos. They were a mess, you know? And and instead, <laughs> yeah. I I feel like asking for advice and help isn't saying, I don't know what I don't know how anything about what I'm teaching. It's just more of like, help me make sure I'm teaching this the best way possible. You know, because I'm not asking them, oh, tell me how to do this. I'm just saying, hey, did I explain it clearly and how can I make it better? I love that. That is that is so true. And I think getting getting past like the ego of asking mm-hmm. is really important because sometimes, like I said, you want to make sure that you're still positioning yourself as the teacher, um, but also making sure that you're being really collaborative with, collaborative with it. What is What have you found to be like a struggle when it comes to putting yourself out there on the internet with your community, like just in general, I, you know, something I'm passionate about and you know this about me is like transparency and vulnerability. 
And sometimes when it comes to putting yourself out there in any sense of the word, it's really difficult. And like, it's just, it, there's a lot of things that go, come into play with that. How has that affected you? And how have you used vulnerability as a tool in your business or not a tool, but more so as a way to really connect with your community? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's really important to be as authentic as you can online. I think it's very easy in the world we live in to have this perfect Instagram and my kids are angels and, you know, all this stuff. And that's just not the reality. You know, I have three kids. My house is a mess. You know, like I'm so glad we're not on video right now because today's just been a day. I mean, you should see me. It's a mess. And I, it's a fine line for me, especially as a mom to share the reality of our life without complaining or bashing my children. And so that's something I don't share a lot of my personal life on my blog because it's very educational based. But on Instagram, that's where I share a little bit more about myself. And I have to, you know, watch the things I say, because especially if I'm talking about my kids, they're going to find this one day. And I don't want my kids to ever, you know, be like, wow, you told everyone like (laughs) this thing, you know? Um, Of course. But I think you can still be genuine without sharing every aspect of your life. I remember I posted a picture several months ago. I'd had a really rough day and I was doing this project where once a week I would take a self-portrait and it was this like hashtag challenge. We had started this community. It was a great way to get you in front of the camera And it was just one of those days where I did not feel like it. I was having a bad day. My kids were driving me bananas. And so I was just as honest as I could be in the post without, you know, going into detail of whatever it was that I don't even remember. Honestly, that's kind of, you know, how it was. And, And it's amazing how when you are that honest with your community of like, listen, I know I'm not smiling in this photo. I mean, I definitely, my brand, I want people to know that I'm relatable and friendly and, um, And so I try to make sure, you know, I look friendly (laughs) in images and everything. But, you know, when you share that stuff that you're saying, today was hard, you know, I, but I'm still getting in front of the camera. I'm still doing this. I'm trying. This is what I look like when I'm mad, (laughs) you know, and it's amazing when people are like, they, they connect with you, you know, and that's a great thing about putting yourself out there is you can make those connections. And on the flip side, when you put yourself out there, you do open yourself up for the criticism that people so kindly will email you about. And <laughs> I have found that I, I'm i actually looking for like a customer service person to maintain my email because it's getting... I don't get a ton of them, but you know, when you get them, they, they can be all you focus on on that day. You yeah. know, And even though I say I have pretty tough skin and I do after, you know eight years of being on the internet, there's still things that people say that you're, you didn't realize about the tone of your voice that maybe does this thing. And then someone had to email you after your webinar and tell you, this is what's wrong with you. You know, that you're like, that's me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, so it's one of those things that I just think like, you just have to remember that there are people out there who are going to say things and, and there, that has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them on that day. You know, so although they might write you and tell you that you did something, you know, that you're annoying them in some way or that you don't know what you're doing or, you know, whatever, I don't let that stop you from putting yourself out there because the people Mm -hmm. that you're able to connect with far outweigh and maybe their voices are a little quieter, but that doesn't mean that they're not out there connecting with you and you in some way are helping them. And so if you have it where people do feel the need to tell you whatever, 
just remember that there are a million other people who don't feel that way. Girl, preach. (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree. Like, I want to encourage people to be vulnerable and open, like you said, but also know that there are, there's like a backstory to being vulnerable. Sometimes does have not backlash, Mm -hmm. but anything you do, good or bad, has consequences, you know? And so, Anytime you say something or put anything out on the internet, it can be perceived in multiple different ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to attack me? No. <laughs> Not at all. I would never. Um, how do you How do you build thicker skin on the internet? Like, I think for someone that's building a business and they're building a community and they're really finding momentum and then that one thing that someone says or maybe that one person in their life that's not supportive or doesn't get it, like how do you kind of build that thicker skin and you believe in your mission and you're not willing to let someone else keep you from living out your your vision? That's tough because I am very I am very lucky that the people in my life who matter to me all support what I do. And so that is huge, especially my husband. You know, he is like my biggest cheerleader. He brags about me to his friends, you know, which is really cool. And so I'm very lucky in that sense. Now, as I said, I do get the emails from people Mm -hmm. telling me what I'm doing. I one time got a six paragraph email after a webinar pointing out all of my flaws, Um, which, whoa. At this point, now this is what I do. and, And this is what has helped me, I think, with dealing with this. Is I will read it, and then if I need to vent about it, I will talk to my husband or my best friend. I do not talk to that person. I do not engage with them because I, I, I have emailed one person back one time because they got really upset and wrote me a really nasty email because I was trying to raise money for the hurricane victims in Texas, and that got under my skin. So I did write that person back, which I shouldn't have. Yeah, they got they got mad at you for wanting to raise money for – wow. Okay. Yes, I'm an ignorant American Ugh. is what she called me. And so oh that God. really bothered me because it wasn't one of those you're pointing out my flaws. I, can, I, I, am, flaw- I am flawed. Like I get it. You know? We all are, girl. Yeah. I'm okay with you pointing those things out. That's who I am, whatever. But that really upset me. So I did engage and that was a mistake. And then I just had to delete. Like I wasn't angry or ugly or, you know, I was just kind of like, I'm sorry, but you know, this is something, you know, anyway, anyway. So what I do is I talk to my husband or my best friend. I don't, I delete their email. I don't save it because you, if you save it, I realize this because sometimes it'll sit in my inbox for a day or two before I delete it. I end up going back to it being like, did Mm -hmm. they really say this? You know, and then I end up dwelling on it. And so what I do instead is you, you're going to get wonderful comments from people, whether they're Instagram or Facebook or emails. I have a folder where I put those emails and it's called encouragement and kindness. And when I get the email from some guy, because nine times out of 10 for me, I don't know why it is some guy and I will delete it. I'll complain to my husband about it. And then I'll dive into my kindness and encouragement email. And I'll read the email from somebody who says, you know, your webinar helped me in this way, even though this guy had a six point, you know, this is what's wrong with it. Because I'm, you have to just remind yourself that these people really don't know you and everyone, everyone judges people right off the bat, right? And I don't care if those people don't like me. Like, if you don't like me, I'm not going to waste my energy trying to get you to like me. And part of that, too, I feel like has come with, like, 
age, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm maturity. Yeah. You know, I'm not like as young in my early twenties, that kind of stuff that people have said to me would have really upset me. But now Mm -hmm. I'm in my, you know, mid thirties that I'm just thinking, you actually don't know who I am or like my, and you don't understand my mission, you know, and that's okay because you're not actually who I'm speaking to. And so if you don't like what I'm doing and you had to write me an email and tell me how horrible it was and you left this free webinar, that's okay because that's not, you're not actually the person that I'm trying to serve. The other people who stayed on, those are the ones that I'm trying to serve. And those are the ones that I want to, you know, know that I'm helping. And so my best advice is talk to your real life friends about it because it it does hurt. You know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, wow, that guy, like just last week, this guy emailed me and told me, I do, and I don't even want to say it on the podcast because not everyone's going to get so distracted. But apparently I do this thing where my voice goes up at the end of a sentence. I just did it. And even when you're not <laughs> asking a question, it's called up talking. Okay. okay. I, I didn't even know it was a thing until like two weeks ago. And this guy had to email me and tell me. And that was kind of one of those like, oh gosh, should I work on fixing that? Is that a frustrating thing for other people? But then I just thought, you know what? That's how I talk. Apparently, it's a generational thing. I said, maybe it makes me relatable. Maybe that's what is one of the reasons, you know, people like me. But you can't get caught up in, I should fix who I am because someone pointed out this one flaw that I have. And Mm -hmm. so instead, just talk to your best friend, talk to your spouse or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And then, you know, just move on. And and obviously, you can tell I have not forgotten a lot of these things. I'm not saying you, you are going to just forget they happened. But I just know, like, the emails I get from a mother telling me that she was able to capture a photo of her, you know, son that she had never captured before. Those are the ones that really, like, resonate with me. And those are the people that I want to be connecting with. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your voice. Oh, and I didn't even notice that. But <laughs> I know. And I think now you probably will. <laughs> no, no. That's really, really good advice, Courtney. I mean, honestly, such good advice because it's so much easier to dwell in that negativity and you want to kind of wallow in what people say or think about you. But you kind of going back to what you said, like those people are not your people. Like people that say mean things like that or feel the need to point out whatever, those are not the kind of people that you want in your community and they're not the kind of people that you're trying to serve. Yeah. So gosh, that's like such good advice. I love that. And I feel like that's going to help so many people because it's really easy to dwell in negativity. Like, you know, earlier before the we started recording, you talked about those 40 videos and like exporting them wrong. And how do you bounce back from like little mistakes or how do you bounce back from seasons of just negativity or seasons where you're feeling kind of like you're in a funk? Like how do you pull yourself out of those mentally? It's tough. (laughs) So like today when I realized I had to redo all those videos, I kind of had this thought of like, okay, well, I quit. That was fun. You know, the past (laughs) past month of working on this has been a lot of work and it's been a lot of late nights and, you know, it was a good run. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've tried to quit my business once a year since I started it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What? Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more about this. What? Okay. So running a business is hard. Like it's lonely. It's, I've got three kids and this is the first year in eight years, all my kids are in school. So since I've started this, when I started, I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And then I had another one. And then I moved from Japan to New Jersey. And then I moved from Japan to Omaha. And so like, 
there are seasons of my life that this is really hard. And being pregnant with my third and having morning sickness and the thought of writing a photography tutorial was like, nope, not going to do it. And I just called my mom and I was like, I quit. I quit. I'm shutting down the blog. And she was like, no, you're not. And so, of course, I did it. But about once a year, I tell my husband or my mom, I'm going to quit. Nobody will let me quit. So it's not happening anytime soon because nobody will let me. But how do I bounce back? Honestly, okay, this is what I do when I get really bummed or overwhelmed. And hopefully other people can relate. But especially like business-wise, when it's really stressful and I like just today when I realized, oh my gosh, I have to re-edit these 40 videos. This is hours and hours of work. I normally will go and take a nap <laughs> yeah. because the logical thing to do when you have a ton of work in front of you is to take a nap. And so I couldn't take a nap because we got to hang out. But even before this started, you said, should we reschedule? And I said, no, because this is good for me. You know, like, yes, I am going to probably be up until midnight for the next week working on all this stuff. But you can't be so infixed in what you're doing that you shut out everything else and you shut out the things that you enjoy. Like this, I enjoy this. I've been looking forward to this. So if I had said, let's reschedule it, that would have been another bummer for me, you know? And so even though you might have, you know, something that's hard or you're stressed and you have a lot of work and, you know, I only have until about three o'clock every day to work and then my kids come home. And I try not to work when they're at home. The, I'm not going to lie. The past couple of weeks, I've been fudging a little because I've been creating this course. And, and now the next week, they probably will not see me. But I know I have a very you know limited amount of time to work because I am also a stay-at-home mom. And I want my kids to know that I'm their mom. You know, I have mm-hmm. this business, but I'm their mom. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard not to get overwhelmed and get down. And so take a nap. I eat Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> And then I I just, just start working, you know, like, okay, I called my husband after I realized it. And I basically told him what happened. And he was like, Oh, man. And I was like, so you're not going to see me for like the next week. Like, that's another thing too. you just have to manage expectations of those around you, you know, like I messed up, I have this massive amount of work I have to do now. So I'm going to need your help. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to know that this is what's happening so that he doesn't come home from work. And, you know, not that he gets mad if like the dishes aren't done or the house is trash, but like I haven't cooked in like a week, you know? And so it's like, he knows like, okay, I'm going to make dinner tonight, you know? And, and he's amazing like that. Like he, he has no problem. Like we share our, our responsibilities and stuff, but yeah, it's really easy to get down and just kind of stay focused on it. And I allow myself to time to wallow in it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to buck up and just start working on it. Yeah. I love that because it's so important to feel your feelings. Mm. And I think a lot of times people don't want to feel their feelings. So they just jump into something else or they ignore them or they, you know, let their feelings play out in a really unhealthy way somewhere else in their life. And like, I love what you said, like I feel it Mm -hmm. and then I might take a nap or take a mental break and then I get back on it. And like, I think it's really, that's, that's so key to actually feel that, you know, piece of negativity or feel, you know, overwhelmed because, but because ignoring those things is not reality and ignoring those things isn't going to actually help you grow as a, as a person either. Mm. You know, like I've, if you look back at all of the things in your life that have been really challenging, have you grown from those or have you grown from all the seasons of life that were really easy? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like I grow from all the challenging oh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also too, like what you're talking about, I think it's, I love that idea, like how you were saying to feel your feelings. And mm-hmm. I think it's just, this is a total like mom moment for me, but I think it's important that you do that. Also, if you have children that they get to see you feel that because So about two weeks ago, I was completely overwhelmed with this course. I was making this course. I was launching a new product and I was working with this other brand. And it was just one of those days where it was just, it was too much. And I broke and I just started sobbing. And, you know, I called my best friend and I'm sobbing around the phone. And I had this, my daughter was homesick that day and she's 10 and I didn't think she could hear me. And next thing I know, she's in my office and she's hugging me and, you know, she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And I just took that moment to tell her like, it's, this is what happens when I get overwhelmed, you know, like I cry. And then I went and laid on the couch next to her for a while because I needed to have my rest. And, and I even brought it up again to her later, like, it's okay for you to be sad or to be overwhelmed or to cry and to, you know, I cry when I get overwhelmed and it's too much. And I want not only obviously your amazing audience, but like, I want my kids, you know, I have three daughters. I want them to know that like, that's okay. That doesn't make you weak that you had to sit and just sob and go through it. Because then after my like 20 minute break, I got up and I plowed through and I got everything done. Girl, you're such an inspiration to me. <laughs> or a hot guy. <laughs> no, I, you're just so freaking honest. And I love that. Like you're just so honest and transparent. And even you just sharing that story about sobbing, like I've definitely had weeks where I've just been like a total hot mess and in my sweats working at my desk, you know, 12 hour days. Like it's a thing. And that's the side of entrepreneurship is the side of life that people don't really share too much of. And I love that you that you shared that. I feel like I could talk to you for a very, very, very long time because we have so much on podcasts. Come on. You don't have to do my videos. (laughs) Four hours later, Alexis and Courtney are still talking. (laughs) And it has broke down into sobbing. I'm kidding. (laughs) But girl, I actually just have one more question for you. Uh, But before I do, can you share with everyone where they can find you online, especially for any photographers who are learning or wanting to learn how to, you know, up their skills, you're definitely the person to teach them. So where can people connect with you? So my, um, my website is clickitupanotch.com. And that's also my Instagram handle. And you can search that on Facebook. Um, But yeah, come on over. I'd love to hang out. Perfect. And I'll link those up in the show notes for you guys too. All right, girl. My last question is, what does the laptop lifestyle mean to you? Oh, that's a good one. Well, we are a military family. And so we move around all the time. In fact, we're moving this summer. And I have this will be my third move with my business. And to me, the laptop lifestyle gives me the freedom, which I'm sure everyone probably says, but I really mean it because as a military wife, I don't get a vote in where we move. I don't get a vote in how long we live somewhere. And so when I was teaching, that was really hard because every time we moved, I had to see if they had a program that allowed me to use my license for a little bit before I had to get a new license. And it's Mm -hmm. really hard. And when you're applying for jobs and they're asking you your five-year plan and you're thinking, I'm not even going to live here in five years, you know, it was always such a challenge. But with this, I now have the freedom to not only fulfill myself with being able to help other people, 
I'm able to, you know, have a second income for our family and I'm able to do it all while moving and helping my kids readjust. And my business never, there's never a hiccup or there's never a stop. I don't have to shut it down when I move. I just move. And so for me, that is ultimately my goal. I have a lot of military wife friends who are like, that's amazing. I wish I could have something like that. And I always tell them, I will help you start something like this. But that freedom that my we can you know go where we need to go and move and yet nothing is affected with my business is incredible for our, our family 